the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. Father, I pray that you would open our eyes today, the eyes of our understanding, and I pray that you would give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation as we study your word. I pray that the gift of faith would be in operation. Stir our faith today. Let us see things we've never seen in your word. Father, and as, as we're taught and preached to today, let our faith be built to the next level and let the things that we're believing for quickly come to pass in the mighty name of Jesus. We thank you for that and we give you all the praise and glory in Jesus' name, amen. I wanna say, by the way, thanks for being on the broadcast with me this week. Yeah, it's been great. Yeah, it has been fun. Yeah. It's been really fun. Yeah. I, you know, I like you as a person. You know, I really don't care much for you, but I'm glad you let me do it with you. I no. felt forced to have you on. Um, <laughs> no, I, 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 I thoroughly enjoyed it. It's fun. It's fun. And it's good. By the way, if you're watching, we also have been having a, a studio audience every day, which is great. So welcome to everybody that's here in the actual yeah, sanctuary. If you want to come on down, join us. And yeah, you're welcome to come be in the, we at the church. Maybe we can take questions at the end. I'm yeah, sure we can do that too. Take questions at the end. Um, and then once again, don't miss tomorrow morning at 1030. My father, Ted Shuttlesworth, is going to be on with us. And uh, Thursday. Today's Wednesday. Today's, man, today's Wednesday already? Isn't it? Am I wrong? My God. It is, right? Wednesday yeah. that fast. Huh? That fast. We're halfway through I lost it. a day somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Maybe probably last night. It was while you were sleeping driving here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> so we're going to, tomorrow morning, 1030, my father's going to be with us. We're going to interview him. And uh, hopefully people have some questions as well uh, for 40 plus years of uh, successful miracle ministry. So it's going to be awesome. Uh, let's, let's address some things first before we get started with the five actions that bring favor. Let's talk about two things. Number one. Let's talk about the phrase favors, not fair. And let's talk about number two, that favors this like uh, just this random uh, season that you somehow walk into that God said, now it's your season of favor. I, I want to talk about those two things. Number one, a season of favor. And number two, favors, not fair. So let's talk about first a season of favor. You know, you, you hear people preach on Christian TV and you hear, you hear people talk about this all the time. I tell somebody's getting ready to walk into a season of favor. And it seems like this weird prophetic thing that you can't quite figure out. How did we even get in this season of favor? Like God just, did he just design it? And we same, somehow ran into it. And like, it's like, I don't even know what caused it. We're just like, right. we're jumping into a season of favor. Um, first of all. They made it up. Yeah. If, you, if you've heard teaching that somehow makes favor uh, some like nebulous, uh, random or, or vague spiritual environment that no one can quite figure out how to get into. That's not what favors like. And that's not how it operates. It's not just some things like, man, I don't know what happened three days ago. I just stepped into a it's season of favor. It's not even a proper way to believe because what you're actually doing is if you're believing that there's seasons of favor, then, then what you're believing for is seasons 
where, where you no don't favor. have no favor. So, yeah. I mean, you're setting yourself up because what you believe is probably what you're going to receive. No question. The, the way that your mind is is processing all that, it has to start here long before it happens here. Exactly. So that, that, the excellent point that you just made is that if people are always talking about a season of favor, it means that there are seasons where there's not favor. They have their faith <clears throat> on seasons where there is no favor. Right. And that's not, and we know that, and we taught this yesterday, that's not God's plan. That is not God's plan. God's plan is constant favor yeah. and constant increase right. for every believer. So if you're always going around talking about a season of favor, what do you do in the seasons that you aren't standing in a season of favor? What are you in the season of regular? I, I think it's unscriptural too. It is unscriptural. It, uh, we're, we're called to move forward, never backwards, right? Right. Always on top, never at the bottom. So when you, when you have faith and you believe in that, you're, that, season, that favor is a season, then what you're saying is that there's seasons of favor and there's, there's seasons without favor. So that's moving forward, moving backwards, moving forwards, moving backwards. So the question is this, and, and obviously there are people that go through seasons where they're not walking in favor, but the, the, the answer to that is it's not because God designed a season for you with no favor. And as we're teaching today, it is the actions that we take according to God's word that bring us into favor or keep us out of favor. And so, uh, and, and I want to add a third thing to this at the beginning. So number one, Favor is not some weird, nebulous, random environment that you somehow stumble into from time to time. Number two, talk about the fact favor is not fair. People say that all the time. Well, favor ain't fair. In one sense, that's not even true because God set up a system. That's a cliche. In which you can gain favor. Right. So why would it not be fair if God said, if you'll do this, I'll give you favor. So when you do it, he does what he says he would do. So that I don't know what's more I've, fair than that. I've been guilty of saying that in the past. Yeah. Well, I mean, who hasn't? I mean, it's swept through like, you know, Pentecostal charismatic people jump up all the time. My God, favor ain't fair. Yeah. But, but the thing about it is, if favor comes through actions of obedience, then God said, if you'll do this, I'll do that. Well, why is that not fair? It, God, God's not, you know, one of the things that's sad is that in this generation of hyper grace being taught, what that teaching really says is God blesses the disobedient with the obedient the same. And that's not how God operates. He doesn't bless the disobedient with the obedient. Yeah, it, it actually puts favor on like the spin of a wheel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like it's the price is favor right. Favor today, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Favor ain't fair, you know? It's, 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 it's not, the it's, luck of the draw. Right. When that's not the case. No, it's not at all. And that's, and that's sad because it keeps people out of the blessing God's that's plan good. for them. Because they're waiting for God to just somehow put them into a season of favor. I've just been praying, brother, this, 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 this upcoming seasons. year. Oh, it's going to be my year of favor. Don't have to pray. There are things you can do from the word of God that will bring or provoke the favor of God upon your life. Truth. You can provoke his favor every single day in your life. And then finally, um, I want to talk about the, the thought, the third thought that I wanted to hit before we jump into the five is People talk about grace being unmerited favor, unmerited favor. And I would say that grace is both merited and unmerited. So when you're talking about saving grace, about the, oh, we are, by grace are you saved through faith. We didn't do anything and could not have done anything to make God send Jesus to the earth. There's nothing we could have done. He chose sovereignly because he loved the world to send Jesus as a savior. Nothing that we did or could ever do would make that happen. So in that sense, favor or grace was unmerited 
because there's nothing we could have done to merit that favor. However, once you get saved, once you become a child of God, and we're going to show it to you from the Bible today, there are actions you can take that actually provoke God's favor. And if you refuse to take them, you'll miss out on his favor. So in that way, favor is merited. So there is unmerited favor and there is merited favor. And what we're going to be talking about today is merited favor, which means once you take actions of obedience to the word of God, it merits favor on your behalf from God. He said, if you'll obey me in this area, I'll make sure favor comes upon your life. And so there are, there's merited favor means you did something to provoke or receive the favor. You can have favor in every season of life, right? Through actions of obedience. Favor isn't a season, favor is a lifestyle. Yeah, that's exactly right. And the lifestyle that's defined by actions of obedience. And so today, for those of you that are here, those of you that are watching online, that's why I said share it. This needs to be heard by everybody. This is such a vital, (laughs) vital message because there's so many Christians that are walking around confused, but then here's what happens. They get frustrated. I thought I was supposed to have my prophetic season of favor and nothing began... That, like it's just going to s- snap and it's going to happen. Yeah. The other thing that bothers me is when people get on, uh, like for example, television and they start like mass prophesying over the entire, and everybody that's watching. I came to tell you that, that every person watching me is getting ready to step into a season of favor. No, they're not. Not every person watching is going to step into a season of favor. They can't. Because not every person watching is going to take actions of obedience. There's a lot of people that can't. Yeah, exactly right. What if somebody's a sinner that's watching? They're not going to step into a season of, of favor. God's not going to bless you for doing the wrong thing. And absolutely not. And, th- and that's the thing. You cannot just mass blanket prophesy favors coming on every one of you tonight. Yeah. No. Yeah. You, you just smashed your sister with the toy. Here, here's a cookie. <laughs> yeah. It, 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 does, it, doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't work that way. Have a, have a cookie. Here's a cookie. Now beat it. Um, <laughs> but it doesn't work that way. So that's why today... Pastor Brian and I wanted to give you five actions you can take from the Bible, from the Word of God, and employ them in your everyday these life. These are proven. No question. It's God's holy I've Word. I've applied these five areas of my life, and I've seen favor come to, to my life, to my yeah. wife's life. Without question. My kids are walking in the favor. Yeah, and will always. That's the thing. I had somebody get on with me recently and said, bro, you can't say that about your kids, brother, that that, you know, when they get older, that they'll still be in the power of God, in favor of your, God. Because your kids must walk away from the Lord. Yeah, that, well, that's what he was telling me. He's like, you know, just because the Bible says in Proverbs that if you train them up in the way they should go, yeah. that's not a promise. Well, that's, that's what you have faith yeah. for. You know, your well, faith hey, that your kid's going to walk away from the Lord. You know what I mean? Exactly. You, you know, I don't have faith for that. By the way, training your children is more than bringing them to church on Sunday. <laughs> that's not training. Or dropping them off in the kids' church. <laughs> right, and then leaving to go and to the mall. Look at your, <laughs> yeah. look at your smartphone the whole time. That, that's not training. Training, you know, it's like when you hire a trainer. When you hire a <laughs> trainer and they give you prescribed actions to take, mm-hmm. your muscles will grow. If you're doing what they're telling you to do with the proper technique and you're following instructions, Correct. you will grow. Same with your kids. Your kids will be blessed as you train them in godliness. Training in godliness is more than just going to church on Sunday. Training Truth. in godliness. So, got that out of my system. It just was irking Hey, Donnie me. Johnson's watching. Love Donnie Johnson. Donnie, where, you should be here. Where are you, Don? Where are you? Could have used him last there's night. There's Pastor Rhonda Spencer. Love you, too. And uh, there's Nikki. Good to see you. <clears throat> now, somebody would have caught me last night. <laughs> I watched the broadcast. <laughs> oh, I know. No you, catchers. You, you hit. You hit hard. 
I told I told him if you if you missed the broadcast last night, go back and watch. Not only did Pastor Brian and and his wife hit hard, they went out in the Holy Ghost. But then he, I watched him try to crawl away from the altar. He was drunk, crawled away, and then stood up and flopped over the first row of chairs into the second row over here, like whoom, gone. <laughs> it, was, it was awesome. I just got to watch from the keyboards, like yes, there you go. Um, so let's jump into these. I'm going to give you five. Here's what I want you to do. Those of you that are watching, put these in the comments section and put the scriptures we're talking about. Help those out that are going to watch on the replay. D- David Condon over champion. Hey, my man, David Condon. That's a fantastic church, by the way, if you're in the Washington, PA area. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Cannons- champion. Can- Cannonsburg. Yep, ch- two, two locations. Pastor Nathan and Joey Miller doing a tremendous job. Absolutely, they are. They are. I love those guys. So let's jump in. Number one, the number one thing that will un- unlock. <laughs> I was looking at the TV lights from I was looking at the audience. Um, number one thing that will unlock the favor of God in your life is holiness. holiness. Number one is holiness. And notice that we didn't say righteousness because righteousness and holiness are two different things. Righteousness and holiness are two different things. Righteousness is a position that God places you in. You become, you are made the righteousness of God in Christ. I bet everybody when we said that thought exactly that. Yeah. That, that they're the same. Righteousness, you know what I mean? That's right. They, when you think of holiness, you go right to righteousness. Right. But th- there's a difference between holiness good, and righteousness. Yeah. Righteousness is a position. Holiness is an action. Righteousness is a position you stand in. They should write that down. I'm right. in, Put I'm that in, in the comment section. Righteousness is right standing with God. Right standing with God. You are made righteous with God. But holiness is an action. The blood of Jesus. Holiness is something you do by your own free will. When you choose to obey the word of God, the, the clearest definition of holiness is obeying God's written word. That is, that's all holiness is. If anybody's ever taught you some difficult definition of what holiness is, or, you know, like it's some deep thing, it's very simple. All holiness is, is obedience to God's written word. That's what it is. Put in the comment section, righteousness is a position. Yep. Holiness is an action. action. Righteousness is a position. Holiness is an action. Absolutely right. Because what doesn't get written gets forgotten. And if you write it, then you'll probably be better off remembering it. Absolutely true. Righteousness is a position. Holiness is an action. And what's interesting about that, as we're saying a a moment ago, all holiness is, is obedience to God's written word. You can't be held accountable to anything God didn't tell you. So if you find it in his word... It's an instruction to you. If you find it in his word, it's an instruction to you. And holiness is obedience to God's written word. And a command. Be ye holy. holy. Even as I am holy. Even as I am holy. You know what's interesting? You go to Matthew. It says, be ye perfect, even as your father is perfect. That sounds impossible to people. You saying I have to be perfect like God is perfect? That's what the Bible says. Jesus said it. Be ye perfect, even as your father in heaven is perfect. God has empowered you to live a life of holiness. You know, this, this mindset that people have, well, brother, nobody can be truly holy. You know, everybody's going to just keep on sinning. You don't have to keep on sinning. Do you know that Jesus told two people in the New Testament while he was ministering, go and sin no more. 
a woman caught in adultery and a lame man who was healed off of his mat. Go and sin no more. You may have heard that here at Crossroads one time or two. Go and sin no more. Or, or every time you come. Yeah. Go and sin no more. That's how he ends every service. Go and sin no more. Jesus said that. I want you to think how powerful this is. Jesus said that before he even shed his blood. He said that before he died on the cross. He said that before he was resurrected. Anything Christ commands, he empowers. Anything Christ commands, he empowers, which means when he told those two people go and sin no more, they were just empowered to live a holy life. Think about that. You can live. I used to have a a guy that was my roommate in Bible school. He used to tell me, well, man, I pray every night. Nathan? No, no. I didn't have a Bible school roommate named Nathan. No. (laughs) That's Jonathan. No. Uh, No, no. uh, Nathan Bruce? No, he wasn't my roommate. Um, but I would, I would go and he'd say every night, man, I just pray that God would forgive me because you know, in the day, sometimes we sin, we don't even know we're sinning. What's the matter with him? I said, How, what year I was said, he in? I said, you, you <laughs> believe you can sin without knowing you're sinning? He said, oh yeah, we do it every day. That's why every night I repent and ask God to forgive me. I said, hold on, you can sin and not know it. He said, oh yeah. I said, do you realize that the Holy Spirit, if that's true, the Holy Spirit is horrible at his job. Yeah. Because the Bible says he was sent to the He's world to convict the world of sin and the righteous of their righteousness. Yeah. I said, so if God's letting you sin that's not true. without telling you, that's not true. then the Holy Spirit's on vacation. I do something wrong, I know it immediately. Immediately. The yeah. Holy Spirit witnesses to your heart by conviction. Yeah, because you, oppor- you get an opportunity to fix it right exactly. then and there. You know what I mean? Exactly Say right. something wrong, the Holy Spirit reminds you. you. You know, you shouldn't have said that. Go back and apologize. And repent. Right and see, the Holy Spirit empowers us. How much more in the New Testament, now filled with the Holy Ghost, we're empowered to live holy lives. Yeah. And when we do, and we covered this verse yesterday, I want you guys to write it down. This is for point number one, Psalm 84, 11. Actually, you know what? Let's jump to Job 36. Hey, you got it open I right like here. that one. You got Job 36? Right here, man. Read verse 11, Job 36, 11. If they listen and obey, they will be blessed with prosperity not just one time, but throughout their lives. Yep. And listen to how the ESV says it. If they listen and serve him, they complete their days in prosperity and their years in pleasures. So notice there that the only prerequisite in that scripture is obey and serve. If they'll just obey and serve, they'll spend their days in prosperity and their years in pleasures. That is so plain. It couldn't get any more plain. Let's listen to Psalm 84, 11. The Lord is a sun in a shield. He bestows favor and honor, and he will not withhold any good thing from those who walk uprightly. Psalm 84, 11. He will not withhold any good thing. He bestows favor no and honor. No good thing will he withhold. From those that walk uprightly. You know what that means? The only prerequisite in those two verses was obey and serve. Walk uprightly. That's just obedience to God's written word. He said, if you'll just do that, then I'll make sure not only will I not withhold any good thing from you, but I'll make sure you spend your days in prosperity and your years in pleasures just by serving God. I remember Pastor Attaboy preached the message, the master key. And he said that in the kingdom of God, there are many keys. There are keys that open doors. He said, faith is a key. Yeah. He said, love love is a key. He said, Um, praise is a key. Prayer is a key. He said, but none of those are the master key because there are things that you can do to stop those things from working. Faith can be stopped if you're not walking in love. 
Yeah. Faith won't work. Prayer can be stopped if you're not praying things based on the word of God, right? He said, pray. All these things can be stopped, so they're not the master key. He said, but there's a master key that will open every door, and that master key is holiness. Do what the master says. (laughs) Nothing can stop holiness. Nothing. Matter of fact, you won't even see the Lord without holiness. That's right. That's what the scriptures say, right? Mm -hmm. Without holiness. No man will see the Lord. No one will see the Lord. So understand, nothing... And I want you to write it in all caps in the comments. Nothing can stop holiness. Nothing. Nothing. There's no devil. There's no demon. There's no uh, antichrist agenda or spirit that can stop. I mean, look through the Bible. The whole, the whole Old Testament and New is filled with stories about people who hated God that wanted to persecute his people who were living holy before him. Look at Daniel, who even after they passed the law, it's illegal to pray to anyone but the king. He said, I'm not going to break my holiness to please some man. I'll keep praying in the same place every single day. So they threw him into a den of of lions. And you know what the Bible says? That every one of those lions kept their mouth shut until the next day because that was a holy man of God that was pleasing God. And guess what? I love how God did this just to prove to us it it wasn't that the lions weren't hungry. It was a miracle. Because when they threw the wicked men in the next day, the lions broke every one of their bones before they hit the ground, the Bible says. Ate them. Ate them completely. It was a miracle. You look throughout the Bible. It's men who were holy that God gave them blessing and protection from an anti-Christ, anti-God agenda that was on the earth. And the same thing's happening today. People have a problem with holiness. Absolutely they do. That's works, brother. What are you, holier than now? Uh, Yes, why? uh, Than some. Than some. (laughs) What, does my holiness offend you? Right. Well, you know what it is. Every time you talk about it, and I'm sure there'll be people that'll watch this and, and, and think it or write it. I think Facebook has pared my audience down now with the algorithms it's like only the people that want to hear what we're saying used to be all kinds of trolls would jump on not not now but you know there's always people when you talk about holiness that jump on well that sounds like works to me brother sounds like works sounds like you're living in works it's work yeah (laughs) faith without works is dead that's what the whole that's what the whole book of james is about by the way for every knucklehead that watches as much as you know what to do you need to know what not not to to do it's funny to me how people say you know, because they get confused from the law of Moses, the works of the law, and the works of grace. God, in the New God Testament. doesn't judge our actions; He judges our hearts. Yeah, that's what people say. God doesn't judge our actions, oh, brother. God, God looks at the heart. Looks at the He knows oh, he looks your at heart. Everything. If that, if it's true, let me let me ask you a question. If it's true <laughs> that God doesn't judge our actions, then explain this verse of scripture to me right here. I'm going to read it to you. It's found in the book of Revelation. Listen to this: Revelation chapter two. And I'm going to read you verses one through seven to the angel of the church in Ephesus. Write this. The words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands. By the way, these words are red, which means Jesus said them. I know your works. Bloodstained words. You, you, you hear that? What Jesus just said to the church. I know your works. Not I know your heart. They should type that in the comment section. He knows my works. I know your works, your toil and your patient endurance and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not and found them to be false. I know you're enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake and you've not grown weary, but I have this against you that you've abandoned the love for me that you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you've fallen, repent and do the works, do the works, do the works you did at first. If not, 
I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Oh, man. So understand, Jesus didn't show up. By the way, that's New Testament. Jesus speaking after his death, burial, and resurrection in a dispensation of grace. He's not just snuffing out the, 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 the wick. He's snatching the whole, the whole stand. He said, I know your works. And if you don't repent and go back to living the way that you used to live, I will show back up and remove your lampstand from among the churches. Notice, he didn't say, well, you know, I know you're making mistakes, but God's looking at you through the filter of my blood. No, he said, I'm watching you and I'm watching your works. And I and notice he didn't show up immediately to take their lampstand. He said, I'm here to give you a warning because I have grace and mercy. So I'm going to warn you first and give you opportunity to get it right. Now, now, was that to an individual or was that to, in, to individuals? Into his individuals, a church, a full church of people in Ephesus that made up the body. And it's talking about snatching the whole lampstand now. That's the, that's the whole body of believers. Yeah, he's saying you all have lost the love that you used to have for me. I want you all to repent and go back to the works that you used to do and love me like you used to. And if not, there will be consequences. So this teaching that's been sweeping through the body of Christ on hyper grace is so unscriptural that it's disgusting that you can do whatever you want and it doesn't matter because your past, present and future sins are already forgiven and your works, your actions no longer matter. All that matters is the blood of Jesus. It's not true. It's not true. And here's a new, new Testament scripture that directly disproves that thought process that Jesus was watching their works continually and was ready to bring consequences if they wouldn't change their works and go back to right works. So notice this, Christ is expecting of us right works. That's what the whole book of James is about. Of course. Show me your faith and I'll show you my faith by my works. He's looking at our actions. He's looking at everything we do, everything, everything that we do in life, we will give an account for that Absolutely. when we stand before him. Not only everything we do, everything we say. That's right. Because our words produce actions. And here's what I love. When we make a decision to say, I'm going to obey God's word. Oh. I'm going to obey his word. I'm going to be faithful to do what he says. That's work. God said, I'm just looking for people like that. That's the work. Let, let me show you something awesome. This is one of my favorite scriptures. That's the work. Second Chronicles 16, 9. And I love the way that this is worded. Second Chronicles 16, 9. Yeah, the eyes of the, the Lord. The eyes of the Lord are running to and fro throughout the whole earth to give strong support to those whose heart is blameless towards him. Hallelujah. Yeah, I always, always say it like this. If you capture the eyes of God, yeah. you'll capture the heart of God. That's right. <laughs> so, so understand what he said. I'm going to show strong support. One translation says, I'm going to show myself strong and mighty on behalf of those whose hearts are blameless towards me. Yeah. God's actually searching all the time. If you think about this, God is searching all the time for obedient people to bless. When God's looking at you, there's nothing but blessings that come out of his eyes. That's right. I want you to write that in the comments today. God is always looking for obedient people to bless. I'm going to be one of those in Jesus' yeah, name. Yeah, I've made up my mind that, uh, that I'm going to attract everything that I do in life. I want to attract the favor of God. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't want to attract anything other than the eyes of the Lord. That's right. The heart of the Lord. And the hand of God. That's exactly it. Good morning, Dan. 
I, God is always looking for obedient people to and bless. He's always watching. Yeah. So if he's watching me do the right stuff and I move him with with compassion or I move him with uh, joy or or happy, if I do something to please the Father, I know that the Father is going to bless me. Absolutely right. Because if I can move the heart of God, I'll move the hand of God. That's it, Judy. Write that. Everybody write that in the comments. God is always looking for obedient people to bless. Second Chronicles 16, 9. God is always looking for obedient people to bless. That's you. That's me. I'm going to, I'm made up my mind. I'm going to be the one he finds. I'm going to be the one he finds in Jesus name. I'm going to be the one he finds in Jesus name. God's always looking for obedient people to bless. So number one, holiness provokes the favor of God in your life. Holiness provokes the favor. Number two, number two, humility. <laughs> humility provokes the favor of God. Get pride out of your life. God opposes the proud. That's right. But gives more favor. Grace. That, actually, that word grace is favor. Is the same word favor. It's charis in in yep. in, in, in in the Greek, and it 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 it, it more means favor in this in this context. But he gives more grace. Therefore, it says God opposes the proud. I don't know why they don't James four six, and gives more grace, which is the word favor, to the humble. He gives more grace, good morning, Amy, to the humble. So understand this. It doesn't say that God's disappointed with the proud. It, got, it says he opposes the proud. You know, it always makes me think of, have you ever watched a highlight clip of the NFL and watched, watched a linebacker catch a stiff arm to the helmet, mm. knock him on his back from a, from a heavy-duty running back, bam, hit him with a stiff arm, he's out. That's what I always think of. God opposes the proud. It's, it's a rough thing when God's resisting you actively, yeah. when he's pushing you back. I flip this scripture around. Paul said to the Roman church, if God is for you, tell me who can be against you. Flip that. If God's against you, who can be for you? <laughs> doesn't matter how many corporations are for you, how many governments, right. how many armies, how many influential people in the community. If God's opposing you, nobody can be for you. Think of all the people. In the Old Testament and New that thought they had a leg up on the children of God, Jericho. Yeah. The walls were so thick, you could run chariot races along top. And they said, there's no way you'll ever come into this James city. attaches pride to evil desires. Yes. So, you know, pride is, is rooted he said, in every in evil, evil work. It's rebellion is really what where, it is. He said, where, where, where it exists, there's every evil work. So understand that, that there's always been people who thought, they would oppose God. And God said, let me tell you something. Your pride has me completely opposed to you. And if I'm against you, I don't care how thick your walls are. I don't care how big your army is. All God has to do is part one sea, pull a whole army into the middle of it, and let the waters fall Just back on top of it. a quick read of God's word. You, you see how he deals with pride and rebellion. You know what God does with his enemies? He wipes them out. <laughs> Absolutely. The Bible says, now think about this, put it in your notes. Matthew chapter five and verse five, the Bible says that blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. The earth. So meekness, that's humility. That's not weakness. Yeah. Meekness is not weakness. It's humility. Strength under control. Meekness. He said, they shall inherit the earth. So meekness is the key to inheritance. Meekness is the key to inheritance. I'll inherit the earth when I get pride out of my life. Everything I've got to inherit from God will come into my hand when I remove pride and I walk in humility. 
what, what, what humility does is it transfers your will to God's will. Absolutely. And transfers God's will and replaces your will. That's exactly right. And that's powerful thought because what that means is that you know why some people don't obey God's word is because they're too proud to do it. They're too proud to do it. Well, my way is better than too his way. Too proud to confess. Yeah. Too, too proud to repent. My way is better than his too way. Too proud to say I'm sorry. Yeah. You know. So and it causes God to oppose I think, you. I think there's so many people that are even like watching the broadcast right now. Maybe your biggest breakthrough is you saying you're sorry. Yeah. Your biggest breakthrough True. will come by saying, I'm sorry to somebody, maybe to God, maybe to your, your, your family. Ask the Holy Spirit what's hindering the blessing of God in your life. Absolutely. And guess what he's going to do? He's going to reveal it to he'll you. He'll reveal it. And then once he reveals it, he'll heal it, right? Because yes, what he reveals, he heals. And then repent and turn back to God right. and let the favor of God begin to flow in your life. No question about it. Get rid of every ounce of pride yep. and put on that garment of humility yes. and see God's hand move mightily in your life. No question. You know, it's, it's crazy to me. It's, um, let, let me show you two scriptures that, that bring this out. It really, it's exciting. Um, in the book of Exodus, we're talking about the man Moses. We're talking about Moses. And... Um, I want you to listen to what the Bible says. First, with with the book of Numbers, and then and then the book of Exodus. I'm going to show you two passages about Moses that will blow your mind. Look at Numbers chapter 12 and verse 3. Now the man Moses was very meek, more than all the people who were on the face of the earth. Numbers 12, 3. Listen to that. Now the man Moses was very meek, more than all the people who were on the face of the earth. So the Bible says that there was nobody on the earth who, who had less pride than Moses. He was the most meek man on the entire earth. Now look at Exodus chapter 11 and verse 3. And the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. Moreover, the man Moses was very great in the land of Egypt, in the sight of Pharaoh's servants and in the sight of the people. Yeah, if anybody could be more prideful, it would be Moses. Sure. Second in command in the entire nation, which was the greatest nation on earth at the time. Right. And notice what the Bible says in Numbers. No one was more meek than him. And look at this. Nobody was greater. So meekness brought Moses into greatness. Think of it this way. <laughs> Egypt was the greatest nation on the face of the earth. Most, most powerful. Pharaoh ruled. Most powerful. And Moses stood right there at the top with Pharaoh. He was the greatest in the greatest. He was the greatest man in the greatest land. Huh. How did he get there? Bible tells us. That's good. By being the meekest man on the face of the earth. And God exalted him. You realize he was supposed to have been murdered as a baby. That was the command of Pharaoh. Murder these babies. Murder them. And God literally, this is powerful to me. God literally took Moses and had him just float down the river until Pharaoh's daughter found him, began to love him, took him in. Watch this. The same entity that was supposed to murder him yeah. actually transferred all their blessing into his life. The same entity that was supposed to kill him 
is actually the one that curated him. <laughs> that, that, that'll, that'll, that'll take you to another level of understanding where the thing that, that was meant for your evil and destruction, yeah. God turns that thing, makes it work in your favor. That, that system that was meant to erase him was yeah. the system that established him. Exactly. You, th you think about how powerful that is because the whole reason that Pharaoh wanted them dead was because he knew a deliverer was coming. But instead of killing him, Pharaoh's family actually well, developed him. Only the him. Lord could do that. <laughs> I mean, that's right? amazing. Only the Lord. And, and, it ha and God always gets the glory. He, the, the he, he makes sure of it. The exact opposite thing Pharaoh wanted to happen. Instead of being able to kill him, he actually took him into his palace and developed him into a great leader. <laughs> Allowed him to have all the resources, have everything he wanted and needed. And the place where he got to, the, when he got to the end, he was so developed so full of power that he led God's people out. Meekness is the key to greatness. That's number two. Number three, the third thing that will bring favor without question into your life. Number one, holiness. Number two, meekness or humility. And number three is praise. Praise will without a doubt. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm so blown away by how much prayer is focused on in the body of Christ and praise is never focused on. I'm surprised by the churches across America that don't sufficiently praise God even in their worship services. Everything's like one fast song and then descend into slow worship for 40 minutes. That's not Bible prescription. You're not even qualified to worship God unless you've sufficiently praised him. You're not even qualified. People think they can walk right into the Holy of Holies. God has a system. Outer court, inner court, Holy of Holies. Come into his gates thanksgiving. with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise. with praise. Holy of Holies represents worship. You can't just walk in there. You have to start with thanksgiving and then praise. And you're not even worthy to walk into worship until you've sufficiently praised God. And I'll, and I'll be honest with you. If you look through the Old Testament and the New, it was not worship that broke anybody out. It wasn't worship that set anybody free. Praise. It was praise. Always Praise. Worship had very little to do with anybody's the freedom. Throned on top of praise. On top of praise, not worship. David Oyebepo says praise is cheap access to God. The cheapest access. <laughs> you, you know, you know what he said too, which, which blew my mind. He said, you know, prayer is a wonderful thing and it's powerful and we should pray. He said, but prayer can never equal praise and potency. The power is in praise, not in prayer. It's in praise. And and I, I remember Brother Hagin had a vision. Brother Hagin had a vision because he was praying and asking God. He said, why are so many of your children still waiting on answers to prayer? And God took him into the spirit realm and showed him an old school set of scales. And he, saw, he said on one side, the word prayer was in that scale. It was weighted all the way to the ground. He said way up in the sky was the other scale. And he saw the word praise in it. And God said, when people's praise equals their prayer, their breakthrough will come. Oh, that's good. And he said, that's the, and that's why he put out the prayer and praise series and began to preach and teach on it. Put, put this in the comment section. Write, write this down. You know, my prayer and praise needs to exist in the same room. Prayer and praise go together. No question they do. You won't find often in the Bible where worship broke people out. Yet it's where everybody wants to stay and like bask. That's not where the power is. It's not in worship. Every praise and worship leader watching the broadcast, it's not in worship. It's in praise. It's in praise. Joy is not in worship. Joy is in praise. Power is not in worship. It's in praise. That's a powerful weapon. It's a, I don't understand why. I've weaponized praise. It is. It's, it's always been a weapon. 
you know, that's God actually uses praise to fight your battles for you. Yeah. You know, that you read second Chronicles 20, there's no clearer picture. Three armies unite to kill God's people. He said, all you need to do is send Judah first to have go and praise me on the way to the battle. By the time they get there, the entire valley is filled with corpses. I used to prayer. I used to, I'm sorry. I used to pray when I had my problems. Think when, whenever I was facing something, I'd always go to prayer. Yep. I'd always go to prayer. Let's, oh, I got to pray. Let's, let's pray. go to prayer. Let's just, just, just call the church. Let's just pray. No. Whenever I have a problem now, I don't pray. I praise. Praise. I praise. Because see, praise invokes the presence of God. Oh. You know why David Oedipo said that? He wrote in his book. He said the reason praise is more powerful than prayer is because God only answers your prayers, but he lives in your praise. God inhabits the praises of his people. He lives your in that. Your praise will pull down heaven into your problem. No question. And all of heaven's resources. That's right. Because God never travels alone. Remember that. God <laughs> travels with an entourage. And he, and he never travels broke. Yeah. God, God, God hey Mackenzie, God, God never, oh, I thought Mackenzie jumped on us. She's tagging her. Um, God never travels alone. In his presence is fullness of joy. joy. So joy comes with him. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is Freedom. And so freedom comes need. with him. That's what people need in their problems, right? You know, what's the problem do? It saps every ounce of joy out of you. Takes your strength it away. You, it takes your strength away. Puts you in an invisible prison. There you go. Makes you sick. And that's why praise is so powerful when you're having a problem. That's right. If you could just lift up your hands. I think there's, there's probably somebody that's going through something right now. I dare you. Just lift up your hands and just praise him. Praise him. I, Lord, I praise you for being who you are. Lord, I know that, Lord, you're able to do exceedingly. I praise the mighty name. I thank you, God, that I'm going through the situation right now it's just an opportunity for you to do something amazing in my life show me your power oh god lord i release it now i praise your name i, I praise my way out of my problem you know what the psalmist said magnify the lord with me now something that people don't get about this that you need to get it's good is, is that when you magnify something it doesn't make it any bigger if you have a stamp or a coin or anything you got a magnifying glass it doesn't make that thing bigger it makes your view of it bigger that's all it does. Yeah. God's the same size before you praised him, while you're praising him, and after you praise him. He doesn't change sizes. He doesn't get more powerful. He doesn't get more active. <laughs> Understand this. It's you tapping in to getting a larger view of the details of who God is. And the problem is people magnify the devil. They magnify their problem. They magnify That's the, the issue. Right there. Instead of magnifying the Lord. When you magnify him, my view of him gets so big, I can't see anything oh, else. Oh, that's so good right there. And so understand, when, you say, when he says, oh, magnify point. the Lord with me, hmm. he's encouraging them. I'm already magnifying him. Join me in doing so. And one of the things that we praise him for are his mighty acts of greatness, my God. according to Psalm 150. Praise him for what he does and has done. Praise him for the characteristics of his personality. Praise him for his names. You know, I take time. It, it, listen, if you're setting time aside to pray, you should break that time up and specifically set aside time to praise. I sandwich it. Every time I pray, the front end is praise. Then I pray, make my request. And then I finish that time with praise. I praise him for what he has done. Pray for new things. Praise him for what he's going to do. I, pr I praise him for what he has done. I pray for new things. Praise him for what he's going to do. See, because when you praise him for what he has done, it begins to provoke. I always tell people this. If you're believing on a miracle that hasn't taken place yet, praise him for the last one he did until the new one takes place. See, that's work. You, you, have, you have to work that. Sounds like works that's, to me, brother. That, 
It's not by works. Lest any man should boast, Lest brother. any man should boast, brother. That's salvation, knucklehead. You work the word and the word works. Works. Work it. Absolutely right. You know, to, to praise God in the middle of a problem is work. Yeah, that's exactly right. You know, and then and that's you're exactly right. People magnify the problem and you minimize the Lord. Yeah. You magnify the Lord, you'll minimize your problems. No question about it. Magnify the Lord, minimize your problems. I always I always take time to praise God because it it activates his presence. It doesn't pull his presence into the room. Oh. He's he's omniscient, by the way. You can't eject God's presence from any place. Somebody wrote a book on praise. He's <laughs> I can't remember who it is, but he uh <laughs> You ever it has had this, a yellow cover. You ever had this happen? Have you ever eaten with somebody or been at a dinner or somewhere and you were trying to talk to them and all you saw was this? Yeah. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. They're there. No, their, their presence is there. Yeah. But you don't get to benefit from their presence. Yeah. Because it's not activated. No. They're That's not the thing. present. They, there, can be at, they can be at the table, but you're not activating their presence. Present. Same thing with God. He's everywhere. He's, om- he's omnipresent. They just don't engage him. But they're not engaging him. But when you praise him, oh. you're engaging him. He can be in the room with you and you don't have anything to do with him. But when you praise him, it activates his presence. The power of God begins to move on your life. And the Bible says that uh, in his presence is fullness of joy. We quoted that, Psalm 1611. But at his right hand pleasures. are pleasures, pleasures forevermore. Yeah. That's the favor of God. You know what a pleasure is? Watching the Lord wipe my enemies out. Yeah, absolutely. I take great pleasure in that. Absolutely. <laughs> I find that a great delight. That's I think exactly he right. takes great pleasure in it too. Exactly right. He absolutely does. And when he does it, it's always a good thing. Wipes them out. Wipes out sickness. Wipes out disease. Wipes out depression. Wipes out lack and poverty. Wipes out relationship destruction. Every wicked thing is removed out of your way. My God. Number three is praising God. Got to praise him. Got to spend time. If you've set aside time to pray, it's time to read the word, and you don't set aside time to praise, you're missing your opportunity for breakthrough. Do you know, even Smith Wigglesworth, when he was in his 80s, used to wake up in the morning, get out of bed, and dance before the Lord for 10 straight minutes every morning. Dance. And thank God for giving him a new day to, 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 uh, to uh, serve him, to obey him, to work for him. He would just praise God for, for 10 straight minutes. Every morning. That's a key to strength. That's a key to power. It's a key to success. And it'll provoke God's favor. I'm going to flip these. Number, uh, number four is, now this is going to blow somebody's mind. Number four, obedient seed. Obedient seed. Not just seed. Not just sowing. Not just giving. Because giving alone does not provoke God's favor. Does not. Because understand, I'll teach you from the word of God. God's not required to accept every offering you give. People think, well, I'm going to give and that's going to promote God's favor. No, the tithe is for protection. That protects your finances, right? Your seed is for your future. The tithe is for your past. Yeah, and I'm not even talking about tithing. No. I'm like almost done with talking to people about that because it should be something every believer's doing. If you're not doing that, then there's nothing else that can help you. You know, people say, pray, would you pray for my financial blessing? Well, making no. the point that, not, that giving isn't going to pr- provoke God's favor. You're tithing, that's not going to provoke God's favor. No, tithing that's going to provoke not. God's protection. But remember, tithing's not giving. It's important to remember that. Tithing's not giving. No, it's returning. Yeah. And so <laughs> I don't even, I, I, I've, it's like I'm, I'm almost past this because like 
It's, it's like, it's like encouraging people to eat food. You know, you got to eat food to stay alive. Remember to eat food. You got to eat food. Well, if you don't know you have to eat food, you're in trouble anyway. It's like, you're going to die. I, I, I can't understand Christians that talk about, I'm sold out to God, brother. They don't even, they won't even tithe. Tithing is such a minimalistic, basic principle. And it, it does not, I'm not, so we're not dealing with, number four is not tithing. We're not even touching on that. It should be right, a given. Right. It's obedient seed. Obedient seed, which is above and beyond the tithe. Because it's, impor- it's important to know this. God is not required to accept every offering that's given. He's not required. If he tells you to sow something and you sow something else, oh. he doesn't have to receive that thing. And I'll show it to you from scripture. In, in Genesis chapter four, the Bible says that Adam had two sons, Cain and Abel. And the Bible says, uh, verse two, Genesis four, two. And again, she bore his brother Abel and Abel was a keeper of sheep and Cain, a worker of the ground. And in the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought the firstborn of his flock and their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering. That one translation says, and he showed favor to Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard or showed no favor and did not accept it. He rejected what Cain brought. Two, two types of seeds right there. And he accepted and showed favor to what Abel brought. Acceptable Why? and unacceptable. Because Abel brought what God asked for. Cain brought what he wanted. There's two offerings, acceptable offering. And an unacceptable offering. You know why it's unacceptable? And this, this, is, this blows people's mind. But when you read Malachi, it's, they said, how did we rob you, God? He said, you robbed me. How did we rob you? He said, you robbed me in the tithes and, and, and the offerings. So the question you ask yourself is, how in the world, if offering is a free will gift that I choose to give God, how can I rob God in an offering? How could I, how could I rob him in something that's a free will gift? Because we do everything led by the spirit of God. So if God tells me, I'll give you a very basic example. If God tells me by the spirit, sow a hundred dollars in this offering. And then I choose to sow 50 instead. I just robbed God $50. I just robbed God by $50 because I didn't do what he said. So watch this. Even though I gave, as the Bible says that we'll give and it shall be given, I gave in disobedience and God's not required to accept that seed. And so I don't, ha- I have no harvest coming back because when I sow seeds of disobedience, it can't reap harvests of obedience. Seeds of disobedience can't reap harvests of obedience. obedience. Right. You know, my, and I'm sure you and Jessica have been like this. There's been times throughout our lives, my wife and I, God has spoken to us to give very, very specific seeds, very specific I mean, there's times we've given seeds that weren't even rounded yeah, you, because you, God spoke to you. You know it's a specific seed when God speaks to you. And your wife. And then he speaks to your wife. Yep. The same thing. The exact same thing. Th- that's when it becomes specific. It's interesting because there was, a, there was a large portion of time in my life where I, I wasn't with my wife when church was going on. Because I'd be on the keyboard and she'd be in the pew. Right. And so when offering time came, we couldn't say, well, what do you feel to give? What do you feel to give? <laughs> so I would just look at her and she'd look at me. We, we, we couldn't speak. But when we got home, we'd always find out what I felt in my spirit is what she felt in her spirit. Yeah. And it's what we gave. Because it's the same spirit. That's right. Unity. And so understand that means the Holy Spirit was talking to both of us at the same time, which means God does direct your giving by the spirit. God does direct your, why would God, here's what I don't get. People get all bent out of shape about this. I don't get this. Why would God have a plan 
for every other aspect of your life it, except your giving. He doesn't. Well, he'll tell you who to marry. He'll tell you what job to take. Your calling in life. Your he destiny. He has. He'll tell you which a house. specific plan for your giving. Yes, just he as does. As much as he has a specific plan. And for by your obeying marriage. it, which we've we've striven, strived to do, striven, strove, strove, which we've strived to do for all these years, it shows when increase <laughs> continues to come. That's a tough one, right there. Yeah, right? we've striven. When we've striven to do... What's the correct? Is it strove? No, it's strive. Strive? Strive. Strived? Striven? Striven? Strove? Strove? Swerved? So... Striven? <laughs> striven. <laughs> yeah. And that's a good point Shayla's making here. You're not only robbing God, but you're robbing yourself of a blessing. You're not just... See, because understand this. God in heaven does not need our money. You ever got this? I'm not quite sure if this is the Lord or not, but I really felt like, you know, God wanted me to... To give you a thousand dollars. Yeah. Okay, let's get one thing straight. It wasn't it's the devil. not the devil. <laughs> yeah. And it's probably not the you. The devil ain't going to give you to the work. The devil's not telling you to give to the work of the Lord. And and, re and realize this, it's probably not their flesh because they're not even sure. <laughs> right. So it's not you, yeah. and it's not the no, devil. No, it's the flesh fighting the. Leaves the, one person. What, what the, it's fighting the spirit. Right. There's a war going on. Which there always is, by the way. And, and let me let me help you guys too with this. There'll always be a war with your flesh until you learn to put it under it at a good uh, pace, meaning like you've so controlled your flesh time after time that your flesh isn't kicking back at you anymore like it used to. You, you, here, let me help somebody that's watching online. What'll help you get over the war on giving is stop giving sporadically right. and start giving systematically. Yep. So as you, when you are consistent with your seed, when you be, when you've trained yourself yep. in the little things, then you'll be ruler over over the big things. Correct. And so the, the more you train yourself to do it, let giving be systematic, not just sporadic. No question about it. And th and that's that's a good point because you know people want constant harvests, but they don't want to sow constant seeds. No. It's like I, I don't know. I, I, if you don't sow constant seeds, how can you have constant harvest? You can't. God, God doesn't just want to bless you once in a while. He wants to bless you all the time. A perpetual harvest. Exactly. And, and that's the thing with my kids. I don't want to just bless them only at Christmas. No. I want to bless them throughout the year. No. I want to bless them every day. Yeah. You know, I don't want my kids to eat one meal a day. Yeah. Well, that's all you need to survive. Yeah. So. You know, I don't want my kids in survival mode. I want them in blessed mode. You know what I mean? Well, you only really need one pair of shoes. Yeah. More than one pair is not, yeah. You know, it's excess. Yeah, and, you only and, need and one it doesn't pair. need to be Nike or Jordans no. or. You can get psyche. Keds. You can get psyches. <laughs> you get ones that Fakey. look like Nikes, Fakey. but they're not. <laughs> you know. Um, no, and Nike. that's true. <laughs> no. Well, listen, this this argument was made recently, and I, and I argued back it's with not this a person. It's a swish. <laughs> yeah. Somebody said, well, so, and they were talking about some minister. Well, so and so. Um, that's a minister just bought this and he could have bought this, which would have done the same thing, but for, for a cheaper price. I said, let me ask you a question. Do you have any Nike shoes in your closet? Yeah. I said, well, let me ask you a question. Why did you buy those when you could have gone to Walmart and bought athletic works for about $80 cheaper that would have done the same thing, but you paid more. It's the same principle on a larger scale. Yeah. Principles are true at every scale. You, you can't cry poor mouth, you know what I mean, when you're wearing like $400 Jordans and you have a $1,000 phone. Maria's helping us out. She said, strived is not the one. It's strove or striven. She Googled it. Str strove this, or striven. It's, which one is it? I don't know. 
I don't think anyone will ever know. <laughs> no one will, will never know. <laughs> the, um, now, now remember this. As you're sowing a seed. Let's stay on topic here. <laughs> when you're sowing a seed, remember this. God has a plan. I think it helps people to understand this in a better way when you say this. God knows the level he wants to bring you to next. He has a plan for your next level. But he knows the way to get you there is by the seeds he's instructing you to sow. They're the steps to your next level. So when he asks you to sow a seed, it's not because he wants to manipulate your giving. It's because he's trying to get you somewhere. It's like if, if, if Google Maps said to you, in 400 feet, turn right. You don't scream at your phone and say, you're not going to manipulate me, Siri. I'm going to go where I want to go. It's, it's not telling you because it wants to manipulate your actions. It's telling you because you put a destination in there and you're trying to get somewhere. And so same thing with God. When he says, when this Sunday comes, sow this. It's not because he's trying to manipulate you. It's because he knows where you're, he's trying to get you. Right. And he's got turn-by-turn directions to get you there. Aren't you glad, though, when you missed it, though, it just keeps rerouting? It recalculates you. It happened to me so many times, it's insane. But, but understand that. God, God wants you to overflow. And the way to walk into overflow, his favor, is by obedient seed. Obedient seed. You know, and, and, I, and I will tell you this for those that are watching. Obedient seed can be hard for your flesh to do. And it's not just financial. No, a seed is not it, just financial. Seed is not, seeds have to do with everything in our life. Everything you release from your life Sowing is a seed. Sowing and reaping is a, is, a, is a law of this universe. Yeah, and it'll never end. And it'll never end. As long as the earth remains, the Bible says it will be seed time and harvest. That's right. Every word that comes out of your mouth is a seed. And that's how you know it's eternal because as the Bible says, as long as the earth remains, the Bible promises us that God will create a new heaven and a new earth, which means the new earth will last forever, which means seed time and harvest will never end. Our actions are seeds. Everything you release from your life is a seed. Everything. You know, that's why. But remember this, because we talked about this earlier this week. There's people that think that you can sow one thing and get another thing back. Doesn't work that way. Well, I'm sowing a seed for my healing. Unscriptural. Doesn't work. I'm sowing a financial seed believing for my healing. Doesn't work that way. The Bible says a seed reproduces after its own kind. Whatsoever a man sows, that will he also reap. If you need finances, you got to sow finances. What did they tell us when we were kids? If you want friends, you got to be friendly. What are you doing? You're sowing friendliness into somebody else, re- expecting a harvest of friendship. Now, when we talk about connecting your seed to, to situations and scenarios, you're, you're not looking for your seed to produce something different. What you're doing is you're getting your seed connected to, 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 the, to the giver of that seed. So when you connect your seed to uh, the church through, through giving, right, you're connected to the church that you're giving to. So the, the blessing that's on the house will be the blessing that comes upon your, your house. Yep. The reason I sow into a mighty man of God or an anointed man of God, not just because I'm looking for a harvester return, that gives us a point of contact. It's a yep. connection. So the anointing that's flown in his life will begin to flow into my life. Just like that woman that had her son died. She Absolutely. had a, a point of contact with that room that she built for that prophet. No question. She brought her problem into that place that she had designed. What, yep. And then she called the prophet to come. Where did the healing take place? In the room that she Inside built. Inside the room. That's right. <laughs> I want, I want to say this to you guys so that we never forget it. It's very, very important about remembering that when you are in a place of sowing, never be flippant about what you sow. Never just, you know, I refuse. You know, and I, I know people are like, well, I like to give something in every service. 
I'm not going to give something in every service if the thing I'm giving doesn't mean anything to me. You know, don't, there's people say, well, I like to give in every service. I like to always put something in the basket. Why would you give something out of your hand or out of your life that takes zero faith to give? First of all, and write this down, anything that you give that doesn't take faith is displeasing to God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. What we just read out of Genesis 4, acceptable, unacceptable offering. Yep. So if it's displeasing to God, it's not going to bring a harvest. Why would I? It's a, it's a waste. I was watching Christian TV. A guy said, I want you to call in right now. I need somebody to sow a $66 offering. Oh, it's going to bring a six-month healing anointing oh. on your life. I thought to myself, first thought I had was this. Yeah. It, would take me no, six. it would take me no faith, faith to call in and give $66. I spend that much money at Taco Bell on myself. $66 of tacos. That's why I'm on the keto now. You think I haven't done that? Oh, I've done it. Really? Oh, I've done it. Oh, my gosh. And I've eaten it that all. I actually, I got, I got body shamed. <laughs> I got body shamed the last place There's I was. six of us. I went through the, I went through the drive-thru. I ordered all this stuff. And I, I was the only one. I did. Shamed. The lady in the drive-thru, she goes like this. She goes, I pull up to the window. She goes, looks in my car. Is there all this food for you? I said, yeah. She goes, are you going to the gym right after? I went, no. I'm eating it and going to bed. <laughs> but, but. It's two o'clock in the morning. Look, when you go to take your family out for Sunday dinner and you know if you got four people in your family and you go to some restaurant, you know the bill's going to be at least $80, you know, $60 to 80. Do you stand in the parking lot and join hands? Oh, hallelujah. Father, we just pray you open up the windows of heaven and just open pour out a pour out our lunch today in Jesus name. Father, as we go in, we just ask you now as the bill comes. No, you just go in and eat your meal and you pay the $80. So you know what that means? Didn't take you faith to go eat an $80 lunch. So why do we think it takes faith to give an $80 seed? Or hundred. I actually was at. A, I, I was watching a conference. Guy actually said this. He goes, "I want everybody in the room right now to get a fifty-eight a fifty-eight dollar seed. No, it was a fifty dollar. I want you to get a fifty dollar seed in your hand. And I want you to sow it to change your destiny." I thought, "Change my destiny? A fifty dollar seed to change my destiny? What do you think I am? A two-dimensional character from the Nintendo Entertainment System?" <laughs> Like my, de- what is my, de- my, what is my destiny this long? It's like, it's, it's, it's Minecraft, change of realms. $50 open up some new to realms change here. your destiny? Yeah. yeah. That's get, so insignificant. People spend $50 and never think about it again. That's the devil's tool to help get $50 to, to change your destiny. Give me a break. Problem is, that's, that's, give me a break. You've got to do something that moves your heart. That's what makes it acceptable to God. It's got to move your heart. It's got to move your faith. $50 going to change your destiny. It's not going to change anybody's destiny. Maybe somebody that like lives in, in like a third world nation that made $6 a year. Let's boil that down. What, what made Cain's offering? The only, thing that made offering. It, the only thing that made it acceptable and acceptable, it was what God asked for. God's looking for an offering that he asked for. And if he, does, if he doesn't get what he asked for, it's disobedience. That's why it's an obedient seed that brings you into great favor because look what happened. Absolutely. Exactly. And you look at the difference. It actually caused Cain to be so out of position with God and so angry, murder filled his isn't heart. That what, he, doesn't he, that what great favor does? Yeah. Pe- the Bible says it well in Psalm 112. Listen, if you're a church person and you see somebody else getting blessed, dance with them. Rejoice, dance, you know, celebrate that with them. If, if, if you are uh, uh, cursing or against the blessing, you're, 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 you're actually sowing that seed into your own life. That's right. You'll never, you'll never receive what you speak against. That's exactly right. And with the time we have left, we're going to hit number five. 
The fifth thing that provokes the favor of God in your life is thankfulness. Thankfulness. Divine thankfulness. In Luke chapter 17, an interesting thing happens for 10 lepers. My God. The Bible says in Luke 17 and verse 11, on the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by 10 lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourself to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. Now, if you understand how leprosy works, it's, it was a disease that ate away your body, ate away your people's fingers, toes would fall off, organs would be eaten up, ears, nose falls off, eats up your body parts. Body starts to rot. And so when they went, as Jesus commanded them, the Bible says they were cleansed of their disease. But it doesn't say that all their fingers grew back, their ear grew back, toes grew back, but the disease was gone. But watch what happened. The Bible says in verse 15, and then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face and gave, J gave Jesus thanks. Now he was a Samaritan, and Jesus said, were there not 10 cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said this to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you whole. You can't be whole without your fingers, toes, organs, nose, ears. The nine got cleansed. The one who was thankful got restored. And the favor of God came upon his life and brought back the things the devil stole from his life. Notice the favor of God was provoked in one man's life because of his thankfulness. When you think, you ever done something for somebody before and they didn't even say thank you? Yes. You know what it makes you feel like? I don't ever want to do another thing for that person. They don't even care. Don't. They don't even care that I did it. Just, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> they don't even care. It, no matter if it's as simple as holding the door like open for somebody. somebody buys you a coffee and yeah, don't even say thank you. <laughs> Man, is this coffee ever good? Mm. <laughs> Thankfulness. I just want to publicly say to Pastor Brian that. I'm still waiting on that money from Taco Bell. Anyway, um, no. <laughs> I'm just kidding. He doesn't owe me money yet. Um, but the, the key is this. Thankfulness unlocks. I'm sure it, whether it's opening the door for somebody or buying their meal or whatever it might be. And they don't even stop to say thank you. It makes you feel like, okay, I, I'm not gonna, I don't want to do anything else for them. They don't even care if I do it. They don't even acknowledge it. You know, it doesn't matter how big or how little the thing is. Th Thanksgiving opens your life up to a greater harvest. No question. Think about that. Think about you giving somebody a special gift that you saved up for. Yeah. That you prayed up for. And I've been guilty of this. We shouldn't sow seeds looking for Thanksgiving. We should sow th seeds looking for a harvest. Of course. But what will produce a greater harvest yep. is being thankful. That's exactly right. And, you know, and sometimes you get like pastor's appreciation just happened. Yeah. I have a list that I've made that I'm going to thank everybody personally for the gift that they have. Mm -hmm. And it's not because I'm looking to get something. It's no. because I'm truly thankful. Truly thankful. That they've prayed. And, and it took me a while to get to this point because I've been handed and given a lot of stuff. Yeah, it's a and, blessing. And sometimes when, you know, you, you grow up in a home where you're showered with gifts or whatever, you might not be thankful for each and everything you get as much as somebody that's never had anything that would get something. True. 
But what happens is you cut yourself off. My, my parents blessed me one time with a, uh, with a light that for my, for my foyer. It was a, 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 when you walk in, a chandelier. Yeah, a chandelier light. A chandelier light. So they replaced it. When we bought the home, she looked. My, my mother came in. She goes, man, that thing's ugly. And so she bought a, a, me a light. I, put, I wasn't 100% liking it at first. And, and then it cost money to have the electrician to put in. So I wasn't really quick to put it in there. But every area of my life welled up, man. There was like no more clothes. There was like nothing. I'm like thinking to myself, okay, what's okay? If you've had all this happen in your life before, now nothing. Something went wrong. What was it? I was given a gift and I didn't hang the chandelier. The blessing shouldn't be in the basement. The blessing should be hanging in your foyer. Absolutely. You know true. what I mean? So sure. I ended up putting that up there, and that opened up because, and I said thank you. And, you know, I, met, I realized that I wasn't thankful for what she had done. And so I have a list of all the pastor appreciation cards, and people gave some gifts and gift cards. I'm going to make sure that I get back to every single one of them. That's, and that's let good. them know how thankful I am because of it, their seed. That was their seed. And I'm going to pray that God will bring a harvest back to them. It's important to remember too, and I love this thought about thankfulness, is that God doesn't just watch to see how you respond when there's crisis in your life. Because every time people get hit with crisis, they start praying, they start fasting, they start praising because they need a breakthrough. God doesn't just watch to see how you respond when there's a trouble that's coming against you. He watches to see how you respond when things are going well. He wants to see how you're responding when you're blessed. Yeah. Are you going to forget the blesser? Are you going to forget the one who brought you the provision? Are you going to forget the one who healed you? Are you like, if you're not going through crisis issues, are you going to still be faithful to church? Are you going to keep on tithing and giving? Are you going to keep on praising God? Look, I've seen people when God changes their level, stop being thankful because they think they did it. I've seen people that started off, they were struggling to pay their bills, still drinking out of Dixie cups in their house. And then, you know, I need a miracle. They're at the altar shouting, praising God. And then God raises them up a level. They get a new job, new car. They got, now they got some nice stuff, got a new suit. Now they, now they just kind of stand there with their hands half raised. Oh, what? You know, it's a new suit, brother. I can't be. You forgot who brought you that. You forgot how you changed levels. You thought you did that. God will make you remember real quick. You didn't do it. Didn't come from your hands, didn't come from your own talent. Promotion comes from the Lord, not from the east or the west or the south. Promotion comes from the Lord. He decides who will rise and who will fall. I made up my mind. He sets up kings and disposes kings. That's right. I made up my mind. I don't care what he blesses me with. I'll praise him. I don't care if I'm wearing a, if, if, you know, someday I'm wearing an $8,000 suit. I'll dance just as hard and sweat that thing up as back when I was wearing $200 suits. Come on. You understand? Right. It has nothing to do. I'll dance. It doesn't matter what. I'll praise God. I don't care what it is. I'll never get to the place where I'm so blessed that now I've become too dignified to give God glory and thanks. Never will happen. I will all, I I tell God, no matter how high you raise me up in life, I'll give you more glory. The higher you raise me, you'll not, you'll not ever see me slacking off. If God made me tomorrow a billionaire, I would not 
calm my schedule down and say, well, you know what? I've got plenty of money now. Maybe I'll just go preach once every three months. No, I've got a burning fire on the inside of me. If I had a billion dollars in the bank, I would schedule just as much now, do more than I'm doing now, yeah. and go harder than I'm going now. Because yeah. it has nothing to do with me doing this as a career. It's a calling. Yeah. And when you make up in your mind, I don't care how blessed I get, I'll go harder for God, not easier. When God sees that in someone's heart, yeah. he realized there's, you know, there's, there, think about this. There's stuff God won't do for some people because he knows what it'll do to them. Well, if I, I just been believing God would bless me with a boat. He doesn't give it to you because he knows if you had it, you'd be out on the lake every Sunday, not at church. There, 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 there's people that are watching this broadcast right now, maybe even in this room, that God's done something so profound for you. And he's, and he's waiting and willing to do something more yep. if you could just thank him for what he's already done. Amen. Just thank him for what he's already done. Amen. I, mean, I, I have so much to be thankful for. We weren't able to have kids. God's given me four beautiful Come children. On. Yeah, if I didn't thank him for that, how would he ever bless me? If I didn't thank him for the first kid, he wouldn't have given us the second one. That's more right. More than likely, right? So what happens is by your thankfulness, thankfulness opens up other doors. That's exactly right. No question about it. And so, and plus, it ensures the door that you're in. No question. <laughs> Absolutely right. Every person you're watching the broadcast right now, I want to pray. I want Pastor Brian to pray for you in just a moment. If you've been in a place where you thought you were just waiting for God to pour out favor, you're just waiting. I'm just waiting for my season of favor. That's why we did this today. That's why we taught this today. We want you to understand there are things you can do to walk in the favor of God. And it's time to walk in favor. It's time to walk in the blessing of God. It's not time to shrink back. God has plans for the end of this year, and he's got plans for 2020 to take you into a greater place. My blessing that I received yesterday, I thank God in the middle of the restaurant. It was great. <laughs> Pastor Brian jumped up and did a praise break in the restaurant as we were ordering appetizers. Thanking the Lord for his blessing. Amen. For my harvest. It was a quick one. Absolutely. And, uh, Came you know, quickly. And, it, and that's a lot of times the problems with people the blessing comes and they never thank the Lord for it. Never be or, too embarrassed. Or they thank the person that, that actually gave it to them. Right. And there's nothing wrong with that, but don't forget to thank God who ultimately is the one who gives all. Every good and perfect gift comes down from, from the, the Father. Father of lights. And so Pastor Brian jumped up in the restaurant, did a praise break, danced around the table and shouted in the restaurant yesterday. Three people ran out, thought it was a terrorist attack, but it was a wonderful thing. <laughs> but, but it was awesome. You know, don't ever be too embarrassed to give God and praise. And the reason I did that was, is because we get busy. And sometimes we forget. Yep. Don't forget. Do it in the moment or otherwise you might not get another one. Absolutely right. Pray for everybody that's watching that God would empower them now, embolden them, take these steps and walk into divine favor. Maybe there's people that are watching that aren't even living for the Lord and they heard the first thing we're teaching on righteousness and holiness, walking in the favor of God. Let's pray for everybody that's watching. Father, we just give you thanks. Lord, we apply these five principles right now. These these things that will help ensure favor to continue in our lives, God. Lord, I pray right now that, Lord, we repent. Lord, anything that has caused a fracture, anything that has caused a separation, anything that's caused uh, damage to the connection that we have because of lack of holiness. Lord, we uh, right now declare and we repent and we ask for forgiveness, anything that damages our holiness, God. 
And Lord, we put on our most holy faith, Lord. And we know that without holiness, no one will see the Lord. That's it. And Father, we declare that we will be holy because you are holy. And Father, we give you thanks for that. And Lord, we just uh, ask right now that, Lord, you just begin to bless your people. Lord, as they begin to repent, Lord, I pray that you restore great favor to their lives, God. And Lord, we know that you are more powerful than any force that we deal with in life. And God, we just thank you now. And Lord, I pray right now, any ounce of pride that's in us, God, that Lord, you help us to identify. We crucify the flesh and we put on the garment of humility, God. And, Lord, I know that meekness is not weakness, but strength under control, God. And, Lord, we just step into a new dimension with humility, God, that, Lord, we attract your favor by being humble. You give favor to the humble, God. And, Lord, we are grateful. And, Lord, we praise your mighty name. We know that you sit on top of praise. And, Lord, we just ask that, God, right now you bless us with praise, God. And, you, and Lord, as we lift up your name, Father, I pray that you encamp and that, Lord, you come into our situations. Lord, I pray that anybody that's listening and watching this broadcast right now, that if they're in trouble, that, Lord, as they begin to praise your name, I pray that your power pushes out the darkness and brings the light to their situations, God. And, Lord, I pray that, Lord, you speak to each and every one of us on an obedient seed, Lord, uh, whether it's physical, metaphysical, whatever it is, God. Lord, I pray right now that, Lord, your voice would be clear in our lives to tell us what to do and how to sow, and how to reap. And Lord, we just are thankful for everything that you've done. In Jesus' name, we lift up your mighty name in this whole earth, God. There is no name that's above your name, and we are thankful for the name of Jesus. And we pray now in the name of the Lord, and all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. Every person that's watching, I want to encourage you to sow a seed today, an obedient seed. The Lord should have already spoken to you. Hear what the Holy Spirit is saying, and I want to encourage you to sow. If you're on Periscope or Facebook, you can put hashtag donate into the comment section. Very easy to sow that way. If you'd like to go to miracleword.com, one thing Carol and I have been praying for is for a thousand people that'll stand with us as we're getting ready to go to this next level of what God's called us to do. Getting ready to touch over 120 million homes on four continents of the earth just this year. And we want to encourage you to stand with us. If God's speaking to you to be one of those thousand, then you can go to miracleword.com, click on the partner tab and stand with us on a monthly basis. Many people are doing it at $85 a month, many at $100, some at $200, $500. Do whatever the Lord speaks to you to do, and we say thank you. If you'd like to give by PayPal, you can do that with info at miracleword.com. And uh, many, we've had people write in, I'd like to send a check. Uh, this is how you can do that. You can make the check payable to Miracle Word Ministries, and you can mail it. The, the mailing address is on the website at the footer of the website, miracleword.com. P.O. Box 65116, Virginia Beach, Virginia, 23467. And I say thank you to every person sowing a seed. We love you guys and appreciate you. Don't forget, tomorrow morning, 1030 a.m., my father, Ted Shuttlesworth Sr., is going to be here on the broadcast with us. We're going to interview him, pick his brain, ask him questions, and allow you guys to ask questions as well. And uh, you're not going to want to miss that. Tonight, 7 o'clock, right here at Crossroads Community Church, Revival Continues. My father's preaching. It's been a powerful week. Last night was off the chart. And uh, it's going to be amazing. So you're not going to want to miss tonight at 7, tomorrow morning at 1030. And it continues through Friday. And uh, do not miss it. We love you guys. Thank you, Jennifer, sowing a seed. We love you guys. Amy, it was great to see you. Glad you're off today. Lynn, God bless you. Joanne. Um, 
Anita, Jennifer, John, good to see you guys. Joan, Raina, love you. Thanks for joining us today. We love you guys. Have a powerful rest of your day, and uh, we'll see you soon. Love you. Go and sin no more. <laughs> now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.